Hello, happy side donors and webmasters. Welcome to the Blog Eight Tips Tuesday podcast for February 15th, 2022. And I'm your host, Mayanna. Tips this week include the new Blog Eight Live YouTube channel is launched. Woo! How to track SEO performance workshops coming up this week. The Blog Eight TikTok channel gets going this week. Woo! What's on my new social media landing page and how to build yours? New common side audit fixes doc is available. The new quick check schedule I'm putting together for routine maintenance is finally saved to update to WordPress 5.9. Does your about page need help? Hmm? Proof that AMP is dead. How Google's strong arm tactics are making the internet more secure. What's up with the new court case on Google Fonts being non-GDPR compliant? Good news from Genesis and who created their newest FSC theme? The Sensei LMS has a new block layout for course material. Why you want to check out the tilt and what I'm learning from it. A new twist on how quantity can bring quality content six video styles for educational content, the utility NFTs that I'm excited about, a primer for how you may want to use NFTs for your digital products, big events that come to the metaverse and the bugs they're finding, why your next Super Bowl party may be in virtual reality, virtual reality conferences may be popping up soon, what the new crypto pay for Google and Apple means for us. Why I'm excited about Tennessee leaning into crypto. And why now is the time to adapt and thrive and make money doing it. So let's dive in. I sure do hope you'll join us live tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Blog Aid Live YouTube channel. This is a sister to the regular Blogade YouTube channel, so be sure to subscribe to Blogade Live so you get notifications on live events. Now, we're going to spill the beans on this week's news, breaking stories for the day, too, and special info just for those who watch. And the replay is available here on Tips Tuesday later, but the live party is so much more fun. And a note about who I help. All Blogade posts and tutorials are intended to assist business-minded, hands-on bloggers and webmaster designers who are serious about making money and who want to stay up to date with site changes. And our BB Hub is a private member site and Facebook group for my site audit clients that has lots of extra perks and support. In Blogade Happenings, it's been an insanely productive week around here. I've made a bunch of goodies for us, and I'll tell you all about them in a moment. But first, as I mentioned at the top of the post and podcast, I've got a second YouTube channel set up for Blogade Live. Woo! And that's where we'll be doing our Tips Tuesday live stream from now on instead of on the Facebook page. I wanted to mention it again here, since some folks who just read the post scroll past those intro notes, so be sure to subscribe to the new channel for alerts, because I'll be setting these up as events, 
and I believe you can get notifications and or reminders for them. And we've got our Track SEO Performance Workshop coming up, and we're going to be covering how to accurately track your SEO performance in the DIY SEO course. Now, it's super important to know how your posts are ranking. Plus, doing this type of data mining will give you all kinds of ideas for improvements as well as open your eyes to what folks are searching that brings up your post. You know, sometimes it's not what you think. That just gives you more keywords to focus on. Now, this is the last of the core foundation workshops. And then next week, we move into the on-site and on-page series of SEO workshops. And woohoo! This past week, I finished up my TikTok course. And I've been practicing layouts and methods so that I can document my process and make creating videos cookie cutter easy for myself for all the different types of videos that I'll be making. Now, I've also changed my mind about telling y'all which course I'm taking and here's why. It doesn't work like that on TikTok. You can't just take a course and then start publishing like you can on other social media platforms. TikTok has a culture. And the only way that you're going to get a real grasp of that is to get a TikTok account and watch videos, learn the culture, and see what appeals to you and will appeal to your clients. Now, I watched for hours over weeks, and I saw all manner of different trends and ways of doing videos. Now, after I started finding styles that would work well for the type of content that I wanted to publish that would also appeal to my intended audience, that's what I wanted to learn how to make. And then I started finding instructors on TikTok itself. You know, it took some sorting through, but I finally found instructors that made the kind of videos that I wanted to make and who have a course for me to learn at my own pace compared to a mentorship type thing. Then I started following a bunch of TikTok instructors because the news and the trends happen too fast to cover them in a course. So you have to be on TikTok to see that sort of thing too. Plus, there's no reason for you to wait on me. Get on TikTok and D-Y-O-R. Do your own research. You'll find the info you need while you're learning the culture. And woohoo, I've got a new link in bio page. You know, before I could start posting on TikTok or doing YouTube shorts or IG reels, I needed to make a new link in bio type page, sort of like the one that I've got for Heartwood Art. However, that one focuses on my latest projects and popular blog posts. But for the new social media landing page on BlogAid, I wanted it to focus on ways for folks to follow me and then my courses and services. So please do go check it out and let me know what you think. It is a work in progress. And thanks to all of the BB Hubbers who gave their feedback on it too. Your feedback helps so much. And I know all of this inspired more folks to get busy making their social media landing page too. FYI, I teach you how to build landing pages like this in the Gutenberg Ninja course. And yes, 
If you want to build a link tree looking page of just buttons or such, it's super easy to do that with Gutenberg too. And here's another tip. You can title the page anything you like and then change the permalink slug to something super short before you publish it so you don't have to use a bit.ly link or such. In BB Happenings, last week I posted our new DIY site owner's guide in the membership and then I totally revamped the doc for the common site audit fixes that were done for you. It's a super handy reference because we do a lot of site owner education through the audit process and it's impossible to remember all of that. Plus, it's super hard to remember the things that were done for you that were only listed in your monthly site work doc, you know, like your security backup, new email setup, and more. So please do have a look at that updated doc for a refresher. Oh, and I've got some new site quick checks coming. You know, before we start the live workshops in the DIY SEO course, I send out a series of emails for folks to do super quick checks for changes to SEO plugins, Google connections, and a whole host of other things. Everybody in the course loves those as they know their SEO foundation is solid without having to watch all the tutorials for those things again. Well... I'm going to borrow that idea for the BB Hubbers and set up a series of monthly emails for our routine quick checks that need to be done on either a quarterly or twice yearly basis. Now, once I saw the full list, I realized it's too much to do on a quarterly calendar month thingy. So just doing something every month will be faster and easier and they will still keep their timing. And I hope to get us started on those by the 1st of March. All right, y'all, that's all the happenings around here. Let's jump into this week's tips. In WordPress tips, I sent an email to all Blogate News subscribers last Thursday with instructions on how to safely update to WordPress 5.9. So far, everyone has been able to do the update with no WordPress issues. So that's great. In SEO tips, does your about page need help? Huh? That's the question our visibility expert buddy Denise Waitman asked and answers in her recent post. Your about page may or may not be the most viewed page on your site, but it most definitely should be the page that comes to the very top of Google when someone searches both your name or your brand name. And what's on that page may make the entire difference in whether someone decides to follow you or not. Plus, every page on your site is a sales page. Your about page is not about you. It's about what folks can get from you on your site. So be sure to jump on over to Denise's post and see her tips for crafting a super about page. Oh, I told you so. AMP is dead. In fact, I told you years ago not to set your site up for AMP. And the few clients who didn't listen to me were sure sorry they ever tried it because they watched their site revenue drop lower than whale poop. And now the folks over at Mediavine have tests 
to prove just how dead AMP is and why you don't need it to get into Google's news carousel. Now, I'm sure there are a lot of companies who are totally pissed at Google about this as they spend millions of dollars, literally, to convert their site to be AMP compliant. And then the lawsuits hit that Google was favoring AMP compliant pages. So now they finally started including the more authoritative sources in their news carousel again. And now AMP is totally defunct. And these companies are going to spend even more money getting out of AMP than they did getting into it because it's harder to remove all that junk. The good news is that the cost of getting out of AMP will be offset by the lifting of format restrictions and they can again include ads and other money-making things on those pages again. Now folks, just because Google says they want something a certain way does not mean that it's good for your site. And Google has a long history of creating something, giving us perks for using it, tweaking it until it's impossible to set up or do right, and then complaining that no one uses it or uses it right, and then dropping it. But on the other hand, there are times when Google's 80% stranglehold on the browser market can be put to good use. There are international security consortiums, of which Google is a member, who want to promote security industry standards for all websites. They use the popularity of Google Search and the Chrome browser to give perks and penalties to sites in an effort to get them to conform to these standards, you know, like HTTPS for secure data transfer. So, Google is not the one coming up with the standards, but it can definitely push its weight around to get site owners to comply. And I'm glad because I do my best to keep my clients and followers two years ahead on standards like this. But the majority of site owners don't hear about them until two weeks prior to the penalty deadline. And then they're all in a panic to get their site into compliance. You know, I'm still cleaning up sites who use some form of HTTPS free trickery that doesn't fully comply and just redirects all the links. So go read my post on the top 10 reasons not to use free HTTPS. And then also read the top seven myths about HTTPS conversion. If you're still confused about the difference between a free SSL certificate and free HTTPS conversion. In design tips, oh, a German court has declared that bringing in third-party Google fonts to a site is not GDPR compliant. That's because you have to give your site's IP address to Google to request delivery of the font to use it. Now, this ruling is going to open a huge can of worms for embedding any third-party thing. A trend started last year with some new third-party child themes for Cadence to host fonts locally to help with Core Web Vitals and such too. But honestly, 
response are the very least of those issues. And I see no real reason to make that change during site audit fixes. And I wouldn't lose any sleep over this court ruling either, nor would I make a change to my site over it yet. Let's see how this thing shakes out, as I'm betting it's going to be tied up in court for years. And woohoo! I sure was glad to see the Genesis News folks report that Brian Gardner is back at WP Engine to help usher in full site editing or FSC sites for Genesis. Brian was the founder of Genesis and sold it to WP Engine a few years ago and then retired as the lead dev, I think maybe a year ago. But he's back and he brings a new fully block-based theme with him. It's called Frost. So jump on over to the news report and see Frost, plus all of the other new themes from Genesis. And for those of you who are thinking about dumping your Genesis theme because it's slow, mm -mm, keep in mind that it's your bloated child theme that's slow, not the Genesis framework. And I have proof. You can go read my Astra Cadence Genesis Generate Press Deep Case Study for the speed comparisons. Now, all of my blockade sites are still on Genesis, and you can see just how fast they are. So don't throw out the baby with the bathwater on this. In membership tips, as y'all know, I'm starting my deep dive into all the new features of membership site setups. And I was delighted to read this article about the Sensei LMS adding block-style layouts. An LMS is a learning management system. And Sensei is owned by Automatic, which is the parent company of WordPress. And they make lots of other plugins like WooCommerce, Jetpack, Akismet, and more. Sensei is also a direct competitor of LearnDash, which I reported to you recently was purchased by Liquid Web's plugin branch, Stellar WP. Now, there are several other LMS plugins, but these are two of the more popular ones. And you would think that Automatic would have brought block styling to Sensei long before now, but I guess that required a full rebuild on the back end. They say it is only for the layout of the course pages, not the entire LMS. But it really does clean up the course pages nicely, and it's a big improvement in UX, or user experience. In video marketing tips, I want y'all to go check out The Tilt. You know, I've been reading The Tilt ever since Denise Waitman mentioned it in one of our BB Hub huddles. But... I've been doing a lot more than just reading their post. I've been digging into how they created their hybrid Web 2, Web 3 site. They used their own cryptocurrency for access to their paywall content, too. Now, it seems to me that they paid a dev to do a custom setup for them. But what I'm finding in my research on how to do such a thing is that there are several publicly available bridges for it and many more on the way. And these are the bridges I mentioned a few tips Tuesdays ago that I'm interested in learning how to build 
as I continue to move Blogade toward a Web3 business in ways that I can take my current clients with me. So, more to come on this as I dive into it and have things to show you. But for now, I want to share some nice posts from the tilt that I think you'll find interesting. And this is how quantity brings quality. Y'all know the old adage with blogging that constantly cranking out content for the sheer sake of having more post titles out there does not always translate into creating high quality content. Well, uh, this article on the tilt turns that notion on its ear. And I think it's a worthwhile read, especially if you want to break into video. They say that cranking out content consistently helps you hone your writing skill and your methods. Now, back when I first started doing screencast video tutorials for Blogade, they were a little rough around the edges, and they took me forever to storyboard, script, and produce. But all these years later, creating that type of tutorial is a breeze, and I can produce very high-quality tutorials that folks love. And I can do them in about half the time it took me in the beginning. Same thing happened with my Heartwood Art videos, which included combining still shots with live action video. And all of that was a very different process from making screencast videos. It took me 30 hours to do the first video tutorial. But now... I've gotten a lot faster with the storyboard and the production methods, and I've cut that time in half. Yes, it's still 15 hours from start to finish with producing both the post and the videos, but that's because I have to repurpose all those still images for both parts of the project. And as most of you know, image production is a very time-consuming task. But the point is... I'm in agreement with this post on the tilt because the consistent doing of it is what made me faster and better. And that will work for you too. Now, speaking of video tutorials, the nice folks at the tilt have a super post with six styles to use for overhauling your educational content. They include interviews, video tours, whiteboard animations, how-to videos, motion graphics, and animated character videos. Definitely go check out this post as they give you great examples of each style, and I bet you'll get a lot of new ideas and inspiration from them. In Web3 Tips, woohoo, utility NFTs are here! Remember me telling y'all that these cartoon art NFT things are mostly scammy and a little insane? And remember me saying that there's way more to NFTs than this, and I'm focused on the utility side of them. Well, we are finally seeing those quickly become a reality. And to me, these are great examples of use cases for smart contracts first. First, Proppy is a California real estate firm that's auctioning two residential properties as NFTs. Now, note that these properties are in Florida, and Miami is considered a major crypto hotspot in the country already. 
So this concept is not at all foreign to the folks who are likely to be bidding on those properties. And then a UK department store called Selfridges will be selling NFTs and digital fashion in its London street store. And you can purchase them with a regular credit card. It's also worth noting that several crypto exchanges have partnered with Visa and MasterCard to offer crypto credit cards so you can spend your crypto just like cash. Now, folks, you know that I've been asking you to be cautious about entering the NFT art fad. They're great if you're a creator and you can sell them, but not so good for buyers as I think this insanely priced fad will fade and you could get stuck holding the bag on an overpriced JPEG that you can't sell. But you do want to learn about NFTs for things like your eBooks and member sites and such. Social Media Examiner has a nice primer post that will introduce you to these concepts, so do go give it a read. Now, remember those music NFTs I was talking about? Well, the artists and such are performing in the metaverses now, too, and it's a great way to get found. Plus, there are some really big concerts happening as artists turn themselves into avatars to perform live in virtual reality. A big news story hit last week along those lines with the announcement that the Sandbox Metaverse has partnered with Warner Music to create a music theme park that will feature their artists. Now, it's worth noting that this is the Metaverse Snoop Dogg bought a huge plot of land in early on, and it's already been hosting concerts there with some big-name artists. Big events like this get big airtime in the news, but it also helps normalize such events and opens the door for smaller events, too. But (laughs) for these big events, this new metaverse tech is not without its share of bugs. There was another big brand-sponsored event in the other popular metaverse this week, and that's Decentraland, it was put on by Samsung. And unfortunately, it had so many glitches that it was just dubbed a failure. But the fact that folks are spending money and time to create such events, and folks are buying tickets, means that the devs are interested in tackling the scaling issues, and big money people are willing to invest in paying them to make it happen. Now, once they get the scaling issues figured out, we'll see more Web 2 things move to Web 3 for things like virtual parties. Did you know there are already rooms in metaverses where you can gather virtually with your friends for watch parties? Uh Uh-huh. They look like a big living room with a huge TV screen. Now, I expect this is how folks will connect with their VR friends for activities more and more. And that includes the new friends you make from just hanging out in the metaverses now. There are already bars and open chat areas where folks can strike up a conversation right now. And some folks who hang out there a lot are already becoming famous as their avatars. Plus, 
if you can afford to buy land in these metaverses, you can create your own space for meetups too. And honey, I think that's going to happen. We're going to see virtual reality conferences. You know, COVID coop up caused so many conferences to do them as live streaming events last year. And I expect things like the sandbox concerts will normalize going to events in the metaverse. I also expect by this time next year that we'll see more conferences having a virtual reality version, maybe as a bonus, like for their after party or such. And let me tell you, there is already a lot of profitable networking going on in some of these metaverses too. And I hope to be jumping in by this summer. And oh, Coinbase partners with Google Pay and Apple Pay. So you'll soon be able to use these mobile features to pay with your cryptocurrency. So what does that have to do with Web3? Nothing and everything. As crypto continues to become mainstream, more folks will want to get into trading and they will start flowing money into Web3 projects like NFTs and blockchains that solve problems like the utility NFTs I mentioned. And that will educate and normalize the move from where we are now with the internet to where we're going. Y'all don't rely solely on me to report the news and opportunities here. D-Y-O-R. Do your own research and start seeing for yourself how you can get in on this wave of change and opportunities. Early adopters make bank. And on a personal note, ooh, I'm so glad to see this. Tennessee lawmakers will consider forming a study committee aimed at making the state, quote, the most forward-thinking and pro-business state for cryptocurrency and blockchain and to foster a positive economic environment for blockchain and cryptocurrency, end quote. Now, I believe these lawmakers are taking a hard look at all the money flowing into Miami, Florida, as it becomes a huge crypto hub. Same with all the money pouring into Texas, as they go very pro-crypto there too. But mostly, I think it's about all the crypto conventions. Did you know that there are more hotel rooms in Nashville than in New York City? It's not just Music City. It's Convention City, too. Y'all, I hope it has become clear to you by now that Web3, crypto, and metaverse-related stuff is very quickly being adopted and normalized. I also hope that it's super clear to you just how many trillions of dollars are flowing into and out of these projects. But more than anything, I hope this has ignited some sparks in you to figure out how you can adapt and get in on the leading edge of the incoming wave so you can set yourself up as an early adopter who will make the most money from it as more and more consumers come into the space. All right, y'all, that's a wrap for this week's Tips Tuesday. Give me some love. Please do leave a review of this podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to it. And thank you to all who do. And please share this post with your blogger buddies and blogger groups. 
to support all the free and helpful info you can on Blogate and to help your buddies. And be sure to come to the Blogate Live tonight on Blogate Live YouTube. And be sure to visit blogate.net for more tips and resources. And I'll see you online.